<laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Uh, happy Monday on this nice short week of uh, right on the cusp of Thanksgiving break. How many excited for some days off this week? Oh my gosh! Hey. Yes, amen and amen. And so, uh, um, as we just have chapel uh, today and tomorrow, um, let me just real briefly. So today, obviously, we're up here. We're going to have a, a conversation about kind of part two um, of the one another that Peter addressed in his message last Wednesday. But tomorrow, um, we're going to be having a special gathering of prayer in Naz Chapel, uh, particularly around um, the theme of those who might be grieving um, any type of particular loss or pain or difficulty or hardship. And so myself, along with uh, several other uh, staff and some faculty are going to be present to lead us through a time of scriptures and response and song and praying with for one another. So that'll be chapel tomorrow um, in Naz Chapel. So if you are still here on campus, we invite you to join us uh, for that. Uh, but for today, uh, <laughs> I just want to be clear. I'm holding an, actually an informal chapel on Wednesday. Oh, and anybody that wants to come your gets house? chapel credit for all of next semester. Okay, one time. So chapel, if you, you want heard it. All right. So, is that okay with you? That's totally fine with me. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. so. chapel credit doesn't exist, actually, technically. Well, what do you get? Don't you have, isn't, isn't this mandatory discipleship? Isn't this how this works? How does. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to clue me in on the chapel. We'll figure later. it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, okay. just talk to somebody over here. We can, yeah, <laughs> out here. They'll, they'll fill you in. They'll fill you in. I love it. Okay. Um, so. As you all know, and if you haven't, let me just re- remind us all, obviously one of the theme, the theme that we've been journeying through this, this whole semester is the one another's. And, um, and again, living in a world where um, we tend to other other people, um, maybe perhaps because of their uh, a different perspective or viewpoint or different convictions or different perspectives, um, we, really, we do not have that option as followers of Christ. And as followers of Christ, we are called to one another, each other. And uh, of these 60 plus commands we see in the New Testament, um, you know, really categorized underneath the, the main themes of unity, love, and humility. And this one uh, that, we've, that we're addressing that Peter did on a Wednesday that we're going to kind of have a part two conversation today is under that, that idea of humility. And Paul in Ephesians 4, um, talking about humility, I mean, or talking about humility and unity, um, uh, that idea of being eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And he goes on to tell, here's how all that happens and talking about the maturity that we need to grow up um, into the head who is to Christ as members of God's body. And in Ephesians uh, 4, there's two places specifically where he talks about this. So Ephesians 4.15, he says, you know, rather than being children that are tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, he says in verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, in the context here is this idea of doing this together or to one another, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. And he goes on to talk about this kind of life in the body and putting off the old self, putting on the new. And we're, being, uh, we're continually being renewed after the likeness of God into righteousness and holiness. And down in verse 25, he says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. And then he gives the reason why. He says, For we are members one of another. And so, um, Peter, I thought... Uh, Again, here's, here's where it is in the biblical text. And you took us in a couple different directions last Wednesday. And for those that weren't here, can you kind of give like a cliff note version, uh, just kind of a snapshot of some of the key ideas and things that you teased out around yeah. this one another? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the things, Justin, over all the years of, of teaching these last 18 years in three different Christian uh, institutions here locally, as well as uh, being involved in church ministry in a variety of megachurch contexts, small village church contexts, and just seeing a cross-section of us as believers, I think one of the most pervasive characteristics that I think is maybe among the most disheartening at times characteristics is the sense of Christian fraudulence that we're living as the people of faith. And, and what I mean by that, and if you're here last Wednesday, we talked a little bit, that if we all had the opportunity to come up here on the stage and share a little bit about what might actually be true about us on a day-to-day -day or a week-to-week -week kind of basis, if we were just to be truthful about that, I think what we would find is uh, incredible pervasiveness of pornography. I would guess that there's people in this room, I said it last Wednesday, I would say it again today, that uh, uh, as of the 22nd of November, uh, there's a fair number of you that have viewed porn already today, and we talked about that. We talked about uh, the deceit, we talked about the, the doubting that goes on, um, the wondering, the concern, just a number of the realities that we just simply don't seem to talk about much for a variety of reasons. And so in speaking the truth about what is true about the Christian community so often, and again, somewhat disheartening, is how fraudulent that we feel. And, and I can count myself in that camp in a variety of times in my life as well. And, and it wasn't until, then this took us to the next part of it, it wasn't until somebody helped me understand a little bit better about maybe the origins of why we end up as, as fraudulent disciples, is so often we think we're going to church, but we're actually going to these businesses that are masquerading as churches, where um, I am a, maybe a church shopper, or the pastoral staff is treating us as giving units, and we're trying to grow these ministries and these brands and all of these things, but we're not really talking about what it means to grow authentically into the character of Jesus and how we do those things in a community together, number one. And then number two, we talked a little bit about how, unfortunately, I think our gospel has been reduced down to a Good Friday-only gospel where Jesus did something on the cross to forgive us of our sins uh, as we were in the hands of an otherwise constantly angry father. And so now the gospel is, is that we're not going to hell we're getting into heaven instead. And, and within that gospel, there's not really a, a robust understanding of how we move from fraudulence to Christ-likeness in our lives. And, and the requirement of Easter Sunday and the resurrection power that's available that can take us from our fraudulence and into that, that sense of Christ-likeness with the God who loves us. So we talked about some of those things. Um, and, and I love that in that Ephesians passage, it talks about speaking the truth in love. Because where I left off last week is that love is the central characteristic of God's kingdom. And love, if you define it biblically, is the idea that uh, you are, are passionately and tenderly pursued by a God who will never leave nor forsake and will seek your wholeness or your well-being ahead of himself. And we as the community of faith are supposed to be living that kind of love. So much so, Justin, that First John says that, beloved, let us love one another, or let us have an authentic, passionate, tender-hearted feeling of affection for one another that doesn't leave nor forsake, and I would actually then seek your wholeness above my own. And so it says, beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and anyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But here's the deal. If you don't love, First John 4, it says you don't actually know God. 
for God is love. So all of, put all of that together, and I just wonder, as I was saying about what you and I talk about often, that I fear we so often think we've met Jesus and found him wanting, and maybe we've never actually met the Jesus of Scripture to begin with, and, and maybe this good news is way better than we would dare hope believe. So, I, so there's, that's, I think, the truth, right, of Christendom is, is the fraudulence and the hypocrisy that has led many people to say, I'm done with this deal, and, uh, and, and maybe there's a different road we can take moving forward. So I think that's Wednesday in a nutshell, right? Does no, that sound about right? That's, that was good. That was good. Okay. That was good. Wasn't that good? That was good. So if you weren't there, yeah. you got to go back and listen uh, to the pod being on that, the recording. But I love how, um, you know, in Ephesians uh, verse 4.15, it says how we speak the truth. Because it says speak the truth right in love. Right. You know, and it's been said that, you know, the hardness of truth has to be softened by love but love will get too soft because it needs to be strengthened by truth. And so the two go together, right? And, you know, it's, it's possible because if, we are, if we're followers of Jesus, that means that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit's the Spirit of truth. And if we have filled with the Spirit, then the Spirit is the one who bears the Spirit's fruit, which the leading aspect is love. Um, but then it goes on to say why we would speak the truth is because we are members one of another. And you kind of jokingly said, thanks, Justin, for this wonderful, you know, grueling, hard topic, but wh- why is this so hard? Yeah. Why is this so difficult for us as Christians living on November 22nd, 2021? Yeah. Well, I think what you just said, that Ephesians passage, that we actually are members of one body. And you and I, during our mic check here before chapel, we're reflecting on how often I don't, we don't experience that we actually are members relationally interwoven together because we mostly choose our friendships or we mostly live in the conditionality of our friendships where we're friends because we might share the same affinity, maybe it's a a sport that we play together or a club that we're in or a class or maybe a geographic location. And we'll hang together for as long as we like one another and we're both sort of mutually benefiting. And that's been my relationship with you. I don't actually like you, but I benefit from you. And so, um, so I mean, you keep providing me that benefit. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll happily be friends with you. But, um, but, but I even sat here half an hour ago and was sitting, was reflecting and saying, I would count you as among some of my best friends and, and somebody that I trust. But I also was able to say, and you know, I said it to you just a little bit ago, that what I've never said to you is I've never actually trusted you with me. Meaning that, um, let's just say hypothetically I'm not perfect. And I know that's probably weird. Um, but let's just say hypothetically that I have uh, all kinds of unchristlike things going on within the attitudes, dispositions, and values of my heart that I'm not scared to tap into anymore because I know that God is for me and wants to, to root those things out, usually through suffering and trials and turmoil towards freedom, right? But I'm not scared of those things. I can trust myself with God with those things because I know he's for me and, and, and won't mince words, but will come into that. He can speak the truth in, in love. But you know, there's very few other people in my life that I would trust to do the same. I've never said, you know what, Justin? When you see blind spots in me, relationally, spiritually, intellectually, as we're part of one body, and the quality of our relationship is going to be what is evangelizing into the world. People, hopefully, as they would see the two of us interact, they'd say, what is different about the two of you? What kind of life are you living? What is your narrative? How do you understand your life? And be like, well, and then from there, we begin to talk about the beautiful good news of the kingdom and the gospel. But 
we, you and I have never even approached that, right? I mean, maybe you've texted it to me and say, Peter, tell me all the bad stuff about myself, but I, I don't remember that. But to give you permission to say we're part of one body, how we are together is going to matter for the world around us. And so um, I need you to see my blind spots. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I give you full permission to go into those blind spots, not because you're trying to prove a point or hold power over me, but because you're like, you know what, I'm for you, Peter. Yeah. And mutual back and forth. I, why is that hard, Justin? It's, it's, yeah. I, does anybody in here have friends where they said, you know what, I give you full permission to just go into those places? It's so unusual, right? Mm-hmm. It's to, to trust another person in that way is really unusual. Yeah. No, and I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, uh, which, yeah, you've been neglecting my text and asking that for <laughs> no. months now. So we can address yeah. that after chapel. But Well, if you don't get the, the hint yeah. of me ghosting you, I mean, that's I on you, buddy. So not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but I think so often we can think of speaking the truth as I need to convince you that I'm right. Yeah. Right? I mean, so, sometimes we can reduce it down to that. And, it, and sometimes it's helpful to know, to know what it is, what it's not. It's not, let, let, me, let me confront you so that my, let you understand that my perspective about whatever this given issue, or even about you or myself or a certain position on something, is what's right and you need to adhere to it in order for us to have fellowship. What you're talking about is that type of love that's passionately pursuing after another person so that they can encounter the spirit of the living God to, to actually experience the wholeness and the abundant life that Jesus provides. Yeah. Right? And, and I think the, you know, this though goes to the, one of the questions that we had posed out on Instagram to see if those would wanted to respond to just to have, what are some questions you have around this? Why is this so difficult? Um, here, here, is, here is one of them. Is this, how do we speak the truth simply when the other person won't listen? Right? And, and I think that, that that's, a, that's a real reality. But I think the first question that I would go to to, underneath, to address that is identify what's the relationship you have with that person. Yeah. Right? Because you just told me, you know, I give you permission, I would give you permission, I would trust, and likewise, I'd say the same to you. But okay, good, because I was there's kidding. Also, well, I want you to know here. Yeah, I'm no. reciprocating it with in a yeah. great cloud that of witnesses here. That was hypothetical. I wasn't actually giving it to you. I was yeah, just, same just here. saying. Yeah. Same here. Um, just for the, you know, no. <laughs> um, but to address the level of relationship. Yeah. Because um, speak the truth to one another, for you are members of one another. So that idea, because of what's at stake if I don't speak the truth, if I'm living in falsehood or living in some type of fraudulence, fraudulency, mm-hmm. it, it's like a virus to the body. It is. And, and, and it's, it's causing us to be anemic. It's causing us to be susceptible to other areas of deception. And so part of what's at stake here is our growth and our maturity in Christ-likeness, both for the one who you need to speak to, but also for you, the one that you might be compelled to be doing the speaking. So I would say that you know, how do I speak to somebody else when they don't listen? Um, you never know, one, truth has a way of getting in mm-hmm. if it's done in love. I would say love will always find a way to get through. And it might take a really, really, really long time. Yeah. And so, but I think that's one, but part of it is you need to address the actual, what's the relationship? And do you have a, a level of trust established that's strong enough to actually bear the weight of the truth that you want to share? Yeah, I mean, kidding aside with what you and I have talked about and just even our willingness to, to do this with one another, um, 
I, I really did puzzle over this question this weekend, and since you sent it to me, it's, it's the right question. It's how do we speak to one another when somebody won't listen, or when maybe somebody is walking in a certain kind of way, or whatever that looks like. And, and in my puzzling over it, I don't know that I have a better answer than at, at the, in this situation. Again, there's a, there's a German phrase that I find entirely helpful uh, that is, is sits in Leben, or the situation in life. And, and part of being a believer is to understand what time it is in the culture and what's going on and how do we understand all of that because it gives shape to our daily life. And because we, I think most of us, have not lived in ongoing, dynamic, relational environments of one-body trust, okay? Most of us probably have not had the kind of family experiences or uh, friendship experiences or church experiences where trust is kind of just the air that we breathe around all of that. And so when, you, when you're not in a, a relationship where you've established that trust that you're for one another, not just by saying it, but through some experience, I think, Justin, I don't, I don't have another answer right now than at this sits in Laban in this situation in life. I don't know that we can. I don't know about all of you if you've had this kind of experience before, but I know a friend of mine whose um, son uh, came out and said that he was gay and, and, um, and announced that and was looking for some kind of feedback around all of that. Uh, that was one of many experiences I've had in my life these last probably two, three, four years, and it has not worked in the least to go to that person and say, you are walking in a way that is inconsistent with God's kingdom. Because the response that typically comes back is says, well, um, who are you all to say as believers given how your lives are, right? Just the, just the you're, you're sleeping around, you're, you know, your marriages are falling apart, um, everybody's caught in porn, all of those things. Who are you to say and why should I even trust you with my well-being in the midst of that? So I, this is hard for me, Justin. I, I don't know that you could have picked a harder topic than this one because I think we all want to and we know we need to speak the truth with one another but I'm not sure that the conditions are such that we can effectively do that without a fairly extensive season of repair work to become the kind of body people, re rejecting all of this church as business baloney and actually start living lives together where we grow. I mean, trust in relationships takes a while. Yeah. It doesn't just happen and it has to be proven out. And so I think we're in a season, one year, five years, 10 years, whatever it looks like, where our job is not to go shout a bunch of truth at the culture. Our job is to turn inward and, and become the kind of people that are shining that light so that then there is something of substance to say yeah. uh, to the world around us. But right now, I think we've lost our moral authority because of who we are in our fraudulence, yeah. frankly. Yeah, I, and I think it's true. You know, I've heard many kind of commentate on the state of the church, at least in, you know, in terms of the Western world or North America, that we're in a credibility crisis. For sure. You know, and, and the gospel's not under threat. The kingdom no. is amazing and wonder, like none of that. I mean, the kingdom's not under threat, but Christendom rightfully is right now because mm -hmm. of, it's a self-created crisis. Well, and I think this speaks to another question that was asked is what's the difference between speaking truth and living truth? And what's interesting about that is that actually both of those are at play in the Ephesians text here. Um, and in Ephesians 4.15, when it says speaking the truth in love, uh, actually in the, in the original language, speaking isn't implied. The, the word is actually truthing in love. So in other words, it's speaking actually of living in such a way that's in accordance with the truth. Another way it could be translated is gospel to one another in love. So it's, there's a type of 
living, our quality of life that is actually tangibly on display, that it talks about the whole body being joined together by every joint with which it is equipped. Each part working together properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So that idea, and then it's later on, it says speaking the truth in love. So those two need to go hand in hand because we can say one thing and then live another which is the definition of hypocrisy yeah. and live that fraudulently, that falsehood that Paul's saying, put that away. But the, the speaking will, will have a, a relevancy and a power and a, and a Holy Spirit anointing when we're, when we're living it. Not perfectly, right. but when we're living it out. And so, so I don't know about you, Peter, but have you ever had a, an experience <laughs> when you had to either speak the truth and this was yeah, difficult yeah. or receive speaking yeah. the truth? And it, you, you had that inner kind of battle and turmoil when yeah, this yeah. person was addressing something that maybe made you uncomfortable? So, yeah, I have had the fortune to, to have trusted friendships in my life where the, there was the window of possibility for somebody to come and say things to me, but it was well after I knew they were for me. They were not the kind of person who was battling with me, competing against me, trying to prove or convince things to me. I knew that they were for me. And that didn't mean that they were for all of what I was doing. I just, they, they genuinely were being moved by the other-centered love of the kingdom that only comes from God. And I felt then safe with them because I knew that they were for me. And if, if you don't know that the other person is for you, you don't necessarily want to receive anything from them, right? I mean, most of the time when people speak the truth to somebody, it's coming from a place of frustration or I'm sick of it or, you know, there's behaviors maybe that we're doing or, or ways of being where the other person just gets so fed up and they mostly just want to pound you over the head by just say, stop, you idiot. Um, but in this particular case, we had the kind of trusted friendship. We're like, you know what? We are um, faltering, struggling, sinful individuals in the midst of the corruption of this day. And, and so how can we be for one another in that? And I remember one in particular, when uh, I was part of a, doing church leadership, I think I was about 28, 29 years old, and just wondering about, gosh, do I have what it takes? And, and can I lead the people and blah, 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 and all you know the, the understandable things that come from that. And I had a pastoral mentor who, again, I knew was for me. And we were on the, the way to lunch one day to this Italian restaurant. And he stopped me in the car. And, and he just said, you know what, Peter? There's a real big difference between the desire to be liked and the ability to lead. And, and he said, I sometimes think, I often think that your leading has come from a, coming from a desire to be liked instead of leading and shepherding within God's kingdom. It was like he just took a, you know, like a sharp machete and just went right into my heart, you know, and, but, but it was okay. It was, it was, and I was like, you know what, you're right. The insecurities with which I live, worried about how people might perceive or think of me, um, does drive then how I might lead. And then the ministry is becoming more about me than it is about the kingdom. And, and his ability to say that, like, there was not an awkward moment afterwards. There wasn't repair work to be done. There wasn't this, oh my gosh, should I say too much? It was, thank you for seeing that. I didn't even know I was operating from that place. And it just changed, one little statement where I can remember some 21 years ago, changed the trajectory of my life. One little conversation of a trusted relationship and love. That's what I long for in my friendships. But we, we had to have, build trust to that place, but it was epic for me. Yeah. It changed everything. I, I'm assuming you've had similar kinds of things. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. I let me just two real briefly, and then there's another couple of questions we want to to look at here before we wrap up. Um, 
I, I did not really truly experience this until I was sitting as a student in your seats in your shoes as a student here at Northwestern. And I had a group of three other friends that we had given each other complete and absolute permission to be able to speak into one another's lives. That if you see anything, notice anything um, that doesn't seem off or in alignment with God's will and kingdom, um, please say something. And hopefully I didn't offend you. Um, and so <laughs> I, <laughs> just kidding. No, it's so, I have so yeah. many, yeah. No, no, no. So, but, but here's the thing. It, there, in order to establish that, there's a risk involved. Huge. Huge risk involved. And I remember taking a risk of confessing uh, a hidden sin to one friend who I'd established this with in front of a friend of his who I had not really known and I just let it all out because I knew he was for me. I knew that I've shared things before and I found his love on the, other, on the other side of that. He didn't think less of me, he came with me, he journeyed with me. And I remember the person next to me was looking at me with like eyes wide open, like, oh my goodness, like I thought he was gonna run away after all of what I just shared with this friend. And he looked at me and he said, I have dealt with the exact same thing for the last almost decade of my life. And I've never told anyone. And then came up to me afterwards and said, well, now that you know my deepest, darkest sin, he goes, hi, my name's Dan, what's your name? <laughs> we didn't even know each other. And I mean, let me tell you, each of us, we've all stood in one another's weddings. We're there for the births of our, of our kids. We're, we're, we're present with one of those are lifelong friendships. And the second one would have to be my wife. That's risky. Between the Holy Spirit and my wife, I can't yeah. get away with anything. <laughs> but, yeah. And so, yeah, enough said. Full stop right there. But one we of the things... We could text her. I could FaceTime her in right now. Would you like to oh, do that? Oh, she... Yeah, that would be, that would be fun. Um, <laughs> so, yes, and embarrassing to me. That's, that's fine. We'll put it all out on this nice little carpet here. But honestly, in the first couple of years of, of my marriage with my wife, um, I, I would... I was so devoted to my role as a, as a pastor and as working in the church that I was giving her my leftovers. Um, and in other words, I was sacrificing my marriage on the, on the altar of ministry. And it took the first couple conversations, I was defensive. I actually felt, I actually thought less of her, if I was honest, like she's not a spiritual, she's not a blah, 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 blah. Like that was all those different things that were coming to my mind. It took conversation after conversation. That's why speaking the truth in love, don't think of it as a conversation. It's conversations if you're in relationship with a person. And it, I remember there was a point, one point it just completely broke me. And I was down on my knees before the Lord repenting and saying sorry and, and realizing that. And again, not that I don't do that, I don't live that out perfectly, but that was, that was one of the moments for me that, and again, I'm in covenant relationship. She's my wife, right? I can't get away from that. Um, and I want to. And uh, that, that was huge for me. And that was, that was a moment um, for me. And um, let, me, let me just, uh, another kind of question, kind of this idea, um, speaking the truth, does it include calling out abuse from church leadership? Does it include that? Is that does it include that? And... I would say that's a huge, we've addressed that a little bit in chapel before um, in the past, but I would say yes, um, but never do it alone. 
if you believe there's actual some type of abuse happening, whether that's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual abuse, um, that is where you need to have others involved, in particular, possible other elders or leaders in the church uh, to begin a conversation. So it's not a place to air it out on social media. It's not a place to air it out um, on a Snapchat. It's, it's, a, it's something that you need to seek to address uh, carefully, systematically, and in person. And I'm, I'm guessing the person who's writing a question like this is either has experienced something or they've seen, they've seen something. And um, I know Peter or myself would be glad to walk with you in that and to help come alongside. But I just wanted to let you know we hear, we hear that question, even though we may not have time to fully address it. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, we have a couple other things. I think you've, you've covered that very well. I mean, yes, I'll just leave it there. And then maybe um, kind of one of the last aspect, there's this, uh, these phrases that we hear in our, in our culture, you know, if you do you, that's your truth, you speak your truth. There's so much conversation around truth and your truth, my truth, that type of thing. Right. How do we actually do this with one another? when maybe you and perhaps the other person who professes to be a follower of Jesus have two different perspectives of what's true? Hmm. Well, I, I think um, that starts with humility. I, I know uh, for sure in the relationships that I have that are trusted relationships, uh, I assume that I am seeing through a glass darkly, that I'm not seeing the fullness of something. And so I think part of what develops a trusting relationship is mutual humility. I think it's almost impossible to have the kind of trust that we are all looking for when we're looking to impose views on one another, or be in subtle competitions, or trying to shine ourselves up. Like I think just that humility of saying, I'm sure I'm missing stuff. And, and I think starting with humility, then you, you go on the search. Now that's a bigger question of how do you... Mm-hmm. Um, there is only one truth in God's kingdom, and, and it's part, again, of so many things we have to reframe is the idea that um, you can be whatever you want to be and you do you. Like, all of that is not kingdom language. It's, um, there simply isn't anything in the kingdom related to that. We're, we are members of one body. We're bond servants of the king. Our life is not our own. It's been bought with a price. Like, that's the language of the kingdom. Yeah. And within that kingdom, uh, then within humility, we search towards the truth together, staying bonded as we search towards that truth. We don't bond once we agree on the truth. We bond within the love of the kingdom as then we pursue the truth together. And, and I think that's probably the best corrective that I can think of as saying you and I are bonded in the humility of love of the kingdom as then in an act of worship we pursue truth together, trying to sort it out and staying on that journey, yeah. believing we'll come to the end of it. But you can't wait to have a friendship until we agree on everything. That yeah. just isn't going to work. Right. No, I think you said that well. The only thing that I would add to that um, is, is, is learn, learn how to ask good questions. For sure. So often I think you talked about this like we can treat truth like a hammer, right? And we want to try to smash right. <laughs> something, a perspective, a viewpoint, uh, a certain sin, whatever else. View truth is more like a, a crowbar. And in other words, there might be some crack, there might be somewhere you can kind of find a spot and just to kind of open up to let some light in and to, and to trust that sometimes truth, if done and spoken in love, if you're truthing in love, It'll plant a seed. It might be tilling soil, that type of right. thing. And so I think even the simple question of, can you help me understand how you arrived at that perspective? You know, rather than, well, why do you believe that? It rather puts them on the defensive. Just how, even the ask the how question I found sometimes can be so helpful because it invites an actual dialogue yeah. and conversation.
Um, so I, I think to, to, to wrap up in our final couple minutes, um, here's what I'm, I'm maybe assuming to be true of each of us. Um, we're heading home, some of us are heading home, some of us could be with family members, some of us could be with friends, maybe old friends from high school or, or, you know, or something like that over Thanksgiving break, and you're gonna be around a table with that person, with that family member, or you're gonna be again at that party, or you're gonna be again at that setting or that place, and perhaps you might even be thinking about a conversation that needs to be had between you and one other person. What, what word of encouragement or hope could you help provide and give before we conclude in prayer? Yeah, there's not a one-size-fits-all with these. It's, it is all dependent upon the relationship you have with them. But I'm finding increasingly that uh, there are those subtle ways in which you have to build trust with family, with friends, with, with people around us. And, uh, and I am in consistent with what I said earlier, I'm in a sits and labor season where I am not at all terribly interested in telling somebody else what's all wrong with them right now. Right now, I am interested in having somebody experience the gen genuine wonder that I have from them, that I just, to show them that I actually delight being in their presence. And they may have a thousand things going wrong with them. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, it might be drug addicted or walking in whatever ways. But I think about how Jesus led. Jesus hardly ever led within the brokenness of this world by coming to the broken and saying, you are wrong. He somehow, he somehow led through a different kind of lens of seeing. He was able to lead through wonder and possibility and hope and delight and all of those sorts of places. And I just don't think that we can walk in the kind of wholeness that we desire to walk in without starting with grace and wonder and delight and hope and all of these things being part of relationships. I, I want that person to know that my eyes twinkle with delight just from seeing them before I ever worry about all the stuff that's wrong with them. I don't think we can go into relationships where we don't have that kind of trust and just start speaking the truth. I think people will put up their hand and say, forget about it. And so I think we're in a long season of what it means to grow again, where we actually take authentic delight and wonder with one another. I'd hope any student that comes into my classroom um, experiences me as somebody who would be like, I actually like to be with you. Not because you're a student that I'm using for my own gain, or I just, I genuinely like you. Yeah. And I think we are just living in such a desert of genuine liking mm -hmm. of people that I don't think we can do this work that we want to do about speaking the truth. I would just take a whole Thanksgiving season and just like people, learn how to like them again, <laughs> and, uh, and be with one another and worry about Thanksgiving next year speaking the truth. Let's yeah. just worry about liking each other again. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, as we are just about out of time, I want to I invite us to do one thing, if you would, just to stop before you, before you get up and get going. we got one final minute and a half. If you know, if maybe the Lord brought a certain person in your mind that you, maybe this is applying to, this could be a family member, it could be a friend, it could be a neighbor, whatever, would you just stand? There's somebody specific, somebody specific who you believe the Lord might be inviting you to have a conversation with. Um, this Thanksgiving break. And it might be something that you need to reveal truth about yourself to somebody else, or it might be something that you need to speak about what's going on in somebody else's life. And um, so if, that, if that's you, I just want to invite you to stand, and uh, we want to pray for you um, as, we, um, as we conclude um, our time together. And so Father in heaven, we want to thank you then in the name of Jesus that we first and foremost have experienced what this text says through you coming to us. We wouldn't be here today if you have not spoken the truth to us in love through the convicting work of the Holy Spirit and bringing us to you. And Father, we pray 
for all of these dear fellow brothers and sisters, ones who are standing, uh, perhaps those that um, maybe no one's coming to mind right now, but Lord, specifically for those specific people that are coming to our minds right now, I pray that you would provide a pathway, an opportunity, an open channel of communication to be able to display the authentic love of the kingdom of God and that you would give us the grace and humility to truly, to truth in love, to speak one another and to one another because we are members one of another. Give um, each of our brothers and sisters a vision of those people that are coming to mind the way that you would see them, the way that you would feel about them, the way the words that you would use if you were to speak to them here in the flesh and in person and that you would, uh, that we would be not only your hands and feet, but we would be your hearts and your minds and your voices as well. And so, Father, thank you for all of our students. Thank you for this time together. And I pray that we would truly have a a great time expressing gratitude and thanks and praise to you and for your presence in our lives and for all those you've put in our lives. And I pray that you'd bless and protect everyone as we go from here. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.